You're listening to The State of Work, the podcast by Lano. The State of Work is about finding your place in the changing world of work as an individual or an organization. Each episode, we'll dive into some of the benefits and limitations we face when it comes to remote and flexible work and take a look at how we work, how we hire and manage people, and how we live in this increasingly global workplace. I'm your host, Maddie Duke, and in today's episode, we're exploring the idea of moving away from the city to a more rural area and bringing your work with you. As more people work remotely, many of us have more freedom to choose where we live and work from, allowing us to make flexible choices about lifestyle and environmental factors. My guests today include Julianne Becker, co-founder and owner of Coconut, a co-working and co-living retreat in the countryside just outside Berlin, and Mauricio Di Silvestro, a freelancer who recently made the choice to leave the city to embrace a lifestyle closer to nature. Enjoy the show. My first guest today is Julianne Becker, founder of Coconut, an award-winning workation retreat set in the German countryside just outside Berlin. Coconut stands for Community and Concentrated Work in Nature and is a place people can go to enjoy the all-in-one offering of a workspace, co-living and community. I'm going to talk with Julianne about Coconut and about her story and perspective on the state of work. Thanks so much for making the time to chat with us today. I'm really looking forward to hearing your insights. I'm really looking forward to. I'm looking forward to share. Great. So you opened Coconut in 2017, creating a shared living and workspace in a historic manor house in the countryside. Can you tell me a little bit about what led you to doing that and how it got started? So yeah, we opened in 2017, but the journey started many years before that. We would be myself and my partner and of course some of the co-founders. We started thinking about this project actually in 2011. So myself and Janos thought, hey, uh, I could imagine starting a company. And so we started doing this weird couple project of like brainstorming startup ideas, which is just like really weird. Anyway, How romantic. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> um, I was working for a startup at the time and he always had all these like funny ideas. He's like, I don't know, kind of an inventor at heart or something. So we were always ping ponging these ideas. And we even like got further into some but this one kind of stuck. So he had gone to dinner with a friend who was a filmmaker. And our friend said, Oh, I'm working these 18 hour days, I have this deadline. I really wish that I could just be out in the countryside working on this project so that I don't have to like, then ride my bike through the city and uh, you know, it was just like complaining about it. And he came back, uh, Janos came back and he was super excited. He's like, I think this might be a really good idea. So let's think about it, like making a place for filmmakers in the countryside. And we started thinking about it and we started doing like some budget numbers and it was going to be like 5 million euros investment. Somehow we were like, oh, this is crazy. And, and then it just dawned on me. I, I was working at, actually in the field of co-working 
and researching, writing about co-working all the time. And I just was like, hey, actually, everybody could do it. Like, it doesn't have to just be for filmmakers. It could be anyone with a laptop. So then we started really thinking about it and put together our first team. We got some funding from Brandenburg to get coaching for business development. And we started telling everybody about it and doing research. And like, long story short, it took us two years to find our first place where we tested uh, the idea. And we spent four months preparing there. And then we, we were open for a month. And we really had a lot of people coming and testing it out and giving us feedback. And then the biggest feedback was, uh, the place is great, the idea is great, but the internet here sucks. And we were like, oh, <laughs> they're, they're like, we would love to come back, but we can't work here if it's like this, you know, uh -huh. all the time. The way that we dealt with it is that we had to leave, actually. So... Also, oh, where were you initially? We were about 60 kilometers north of here, still in Brandenburg. Yeah, in a very small village of 50 people, a bit more remote than where we are right now. And so therefore, really not connected. Mm -hmm. We were naive at that point, or, you know, we just didn't know that it's not always easy just to get the internet in a place. It wasn't on our list of priorities or even things that we were considering in a location. We've kind of figured that infrastructure things would be figured out. I mean, we are not that far away from the capital city. So anyway, after four months of really setting up this place and trying all kinds of different answers, we had tried a LTE and satellite solution that like if it was rainy or even cloudy, like we didn't have a good connection. Mm -hmm. And that on top of many other things that weren't really working so well about that first place really added up after a certain amount of time when we realized that that location wasn't really the perfect one that we had thought we found. Um, but we had always been talking about the place and then we and about this project. And then we, um, we were invited to present our results at this big agricultural fair called uh, Grunewoche. And the Ministry of, of Rural Development actually paid for us to have a booth and we presented the project. And that's when two different parties from this region um, found us and they invited us to look at the place where we are right now. So after all this like hard work about developing the idea and testing it and presenting it and having it, it be a success, but at the same time a failure because we really had to leave this location Finally, this place kind of found us. And um, yeah, after many years of working, like when I when I entered the place, I was like, oh my God, we could open in two weeks in this place. Like it's all ready. And there's high-speed internet on the property and like this and that. So it's an interesting thing because you, you kind of pushed through with the idea, even though at the time you weren't sure where it was gonna be. How did that feel? No, that was really tough. I mean, I that's I gave the really short version, but I mean, leaving, deciding to leave that place was one of the hardest decisions that we that we made. Like for as far as in the context of this project, I mean, it was mm -hmm. really it was pretty brutal. I mean, we we kind of came back to Berlin feeling pretty defeated. Like we had this great experience um, of that one month, but we we also had issues with the owners of the property. We really weren't finding a a solution of working together with them and we had this internet issue and we also had the the um the heritage department was was blocking some of our um building permissions and 
And there was a couple of more ands. And after a certain amount of time, it was just clear that it wasn't the right place. It was too complicated for many, many reasons. And the number one reason was the internet. And it was going to be like 50,000 euros to get fiberglass connection. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned you have a couple of co-founders. Do you have in investors or yeah, people who've kind of helped with that initial investment in Coconut? Let's see. We did a few things. Like for the test, we did a, a crowdfunding. So we were able to raise about 25,000 euros through that, which we used for the, for the testing phase. And then um, when we found this place, we tried to do some sort of private financing with like in a more like angel investment kind of scenario, mm -hmm. but with people who were new to investing. So it was more people who had, for various reasons, money that they thought about investing, but they'd never invested before. And actually, our project wasn't isn't really the right thing for a first time investment. And we'd gone through that process with two people. So it took a lot of time. So then we thought, oh, we'll just go the easy route and try a bank. And uh, so we, we did get a bank loan, but it was not the easy route. There's no easy way to get money when you don't already have it. Yeah. Oh, it really sounds like um, you've worked really hard to get where you are. I'm really impressed at the resilience and, you know, having to overcome all these challenges along the way. It's even more impressive that you've established the place that you've got. Um, yeah, Thank congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, there was a few times we didn't think we would really make it. I don't know. It was like I couldn't give up on the idea, though, because it was such a you know, like we had this like this like brainstorming of ideas and it was like felt like it was one of those ideas that if we didn't do it, other people were going to do it. And I, I felt like I just couldn't watch somebody else do this thing that we were trying to do. Yeah. I would have been in, sitting in Berlin like, ah, oh, you know, <laughs> like I can't believe it. Absolutely. So we pushed, yeah. we pushed through and like people who've known us the whole time also, they've been with us. They saw the whole thing and like, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's great. So just maybe to take a little step back into the realm of what Coconut is and what makes it unique, you know, for anyone who's not aware of the concept, how does co-living work and how does it intertwine with co-working? Yeah. So if I was going to describe Coconut, I would just say that we are an impact-driven company and we have kind of three points of focus. And one is... Um, First, we had to build a, a sustainable, economically sustainable company. And that's where we have these sort of three things that we offer. One is co-living, co-working, and workation. And co-living is when people want to stay here for one week or longer. Co-working is for local people who live in, in the area who come here for the day to work on, on their work, as in a city co-working space. And workation is when people come for short term, maybe just a few days to get like a, a jump on a project or a group comes for a meeting and things like that. And what we had built in the beginning was workation. So the idea is that you escape the city, you have everything taken care of so that you can focus on your work and be really productive. So um, we really thought a lot about what healthy work life is for people. So if you as an individual come, uh, it's important that you don't feel alone. So about 90% of people are more productive when they're around other people. I think more and more people are aware of that these days after having to, to spend so much time alone in their home office. And well, and, and you might have this dream or there's this sort of like this notion of 
going to the cabin in the middle of the forest and writing your novel and you're just alone with nature and it's beautiful, but actually most people would go nuts and not do anything. They would just, <laughs> they wouldn't, if they wouldn't write the book, they wouldn't. Just delve into a, just <laughs> lean right into an existential crisis probably. Yeah, exactly. So that's why like coconut stands for community and concentrated work in nature. So the idea is if you come by yourself, you're able to sort of connect in with the people who are already here or with people who are arriving, or maybe you run into your friend from the city which happens here, and you work, and then at lunchtime, you you'd really take a break. We have a set lunchtime and a set dinner time. That's so people don't have to think about what they're eating, um, like that we take the decision-making thing. It's actually, it's a weird stress thing that happens. You might not even realize it sometimes. Yeah, it's like a mental load thing. I, I think I get that a lot as someone who doesn't particularly love cooking or especially grocery shopping <laughs> whenever I have to whenever I'm relieved of that decision I really notice it, it that my stress levels are slightly down it's pretty yeah it's kind of funny and like there's like a few things like or you're or you're at your office and you have to decide where to eat and then it just takes a certain amount of time mm. or you do the really bad thing where you're you have this deadline and you just don't eat because you you don't think it's so important or you don't think you're that hungry and then like yeah. by the end of the day you're a zombie that hasn't spoken to a person and you haven't really eaten and Mm-hmm. you are not in the best mood and you probably haven't even been productive for the last four hours of that, you know, like, so we try to address these sort of common things that happen with people to give a healthy, so like a healthy work day. And what about the idea of spending time in nature or even near the nature um, and how that can help with concentrated work, as you say, and is it good for productivity? And also how do people balance that with their time spent there you know are they going out and spending time in the nature in the morning and then then working for the day or is there not really a clear trend on how people balance it we had to make it really clear that that was like a part of the thing when you come here we had one guy he was here for like four days or something and he was leaving and I asked him something about the we have this like a natural pool in the back he like didn't know it existed and I thought, like, did you not go? He didn't leave the building. Wow. Like, he didn't go outside. Like, we were, we, we learned a lot of things in the very beginning to sort of give a good introduction to how things work, that we share the food. The first guests, actually, we put the food out, and they took the big pot, and they put it on their table, and, like, and then there was, like, the rest of us, like, uh, actually, like, we all need to eat, <laughs> need to eat that food. So we started to like give a really good introduction when people arrived, like how it works. Yep. And then we added that we give a tour even on the outside of the property. So when you come, like we always show you around the whole place, also outside, because that guy hadn't even gone outside. And so we need to make it clear that you can go outside, you can work outside. So if, when it's warm out, you can actually spend your time sitting there. There's Wi-Fi everywhere. Great. On my tour, I always make sure to let people know that there's like these different levels of walks. You can take a five-minute walk. You can take a 20-minute walk. You can take a 10-minute walk or one hour or four hour. Like what you need, you can do and you can just ask us like so that the accessibility of nature is really clear. And the reason we do that is also because the idea is that you have a new experience from your everyday when you come here. 
there are people who spend many months here, so it becomes their every day for sure. And they really incorporate nature in for sure all the time. Like they stay because they're really enjoying to be able to go to the forest all the time, getting the fresh air, going for bike rides, um, also the community. But the people who are here for just a short time, it's really they, they shouldn't miss the chance to get the the inspiration from a new situation. People see animals, they see deer all the time. It's super exciting. I still get excited when I see deer. So, you know, like, yeah, it's, it's nice. <laughs> and it gives you this different energy. Yeah. So it's, we make sure that people appreciate that when they come. And I'm sure it really has a big effect on, on people's state of mind and their ability to focus when they're surrounded by some, like by that kind of an environment. Definitely. Now you mentioned that People come there for anywhere from, you know, a few days to months. Who is Coconut for? Is it it's for individuals and also teams? You've also got some volunteers. Can you tell us a little about a bit about the type of people that come to Coconut? From our original idea, we wanted to make it a very, very diverse place. So we built it in a way that many different types of people can come here and feel pretty comfortable, like or they do feel very comfortable when they come. In a normal time, not necessarily Corona time, you'll have like a lot of different things going on, especially say in the summer. The summer is really like our busiest time. It's always, there's always a lot of people here, but the summer is like, you'll have a, a group of 20 people in the salon. You'll have um, maybe one or two smaller teams, either a startup or, or just a small team from a bigger company. Then you'll also have individuals who are here and the bigger groups usually stay just for like a day or two, and they might not mix with everybody. The smaller groups, depending on what they're working on and how long they stay, they might stay stick together or they might start to branch out a little bit, especially, say, at breakfast or lunch. I think breakfast is actually where the groups have a chance to meet other people because breakfast is not a set time. So mm -hmm. it could be that you're there by yourself, so you end up talking to somebody. I always talk to people at breakfast. It's really nice. And then you have the individuals who come and they, they really could be here for any amount of time. We have people who've stayed here, ended up staying here for a year, usually with the, with the exchange, with this volunteer exchange. We have a really flexible arrangement with the people who do the exchange. Awesome. Oh, you, you touched a little bit on COVID. I wanted to ask how, as, as the owner operator of a place like Coconut, what it's like trying to plan for, some, for the uncertainty of something like you know, a pandemic and how you can offer flexibility or um, kind of maintain a reliable income or re revenue um, as an organization when there's so much uncertainty in the environment. H how have you dealt with that? And what's that been like for you? Well, I would say, yeah, I think there's a few sectors that have been like severely affected by the, the pandemic and we're definitely in one of them. So the tourism sector is for sure like very affected. So we closed for two and a half months. Like we're in Germany. So Germany is really um, taking care that businesses and people are not falling into poverty and struggling and businesses closing. So it's been really a very supportive system for us. Also, we haven't been able to access everything that we thought we could, but we're still feeling pretty okay about about it, and we have needed it. If they hadn't have provided this um, these safeguards, I don't think we would have made it because we couldn't have guests, you know. So we had no income for many months, and the months that we were open, 
we had a different sort of capacity. So we were fully booked, like our rooms were booked, but we didn't have as many people per room as usual. So whereas we usually would have two or three people, the rooms are very big often, and where we would usually have at least two people, maybe three in a room, it was just one. So we have 20 rooms and it was 20 people, and that was that was the case. We had a lot of campers this year, though. We had tons of people camping, too. Oh. I don't know. Everybody was like, yeah, if I camp, then I'm not like around other people. I don't know. It was... Okay. <laughs> and when it was warm, you could eat outside. Yeah. So it was a, it was really nice. We have a lot of other projects going on as well. So we were never bored. So we started to, um, we put more energy into some of the bigger projects that we had in mind. So we, we really developed this tiny house concept that we would like to push. We've already taken it now into the city to get permission. Uh, we, we also did finally get our funding for a makerspace. So we were able to put energy into projects that were not affected by Corona we also were still we're we're co-founder of something called Smart Village, which is a nonprofit focused on rural development. We were able to put a little bit more energy in there. That's like super exciting. We also were like so this um, Smart Village will now manage an amazing opportunity that happened, which is our two small cities, Bad Belzig and Wiesenberg, worked together on a Smart Cities grant, which they won. Great. And now there's 7 million euros of funding coming for digitalization projects in this area. So we had a little bit more time to put energy into to our partnerships, to developing our on-site projects and things like that. So that was actually really cool. We're pretty hopeful about the future. So mm-hmm. we're really happy that we're getting some support for sure. And I'm really obvious. I also am very sure as soon as we can open that we'll be full again because everybody really wants to get <laughs> <laughs> to get out of the city so yeah yeah i know i'd be keen <laughs> yeah come on and with the other thing with the with the lockdowns uh, or the with the laws we are officially in what's called like um, business travel so business travel has been allowed many most of the mm. time and so we still we still have to like look a little bit deeper into the new regulations, which is what we, we have to do every time there's a new regulation. You really have to read through it, see what it means, interpret it, get advice from the tourism board, um, ask them all the questions. For a while, we were thinking, oh, do we offer that everyone can register their residence here? We spoke it through with the tourism board. They gave us the pluses and minuses. Does it work for us or not? Um, they help us to 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 navigate these new regulations that come every few months or every few weeks or every few days. So we're figuring it out. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like you've done a great job. I mean, you've had lots of other projects going on aside from just coconut and also having that real sound understanding of regulations and keeping up to date with everything. These things combined seems to be keeping you afloat and keeping you okay um, through this really this year that hasn't well the year that wasn't a typical year no and has been a real challenge well, you sort of mentioned that you're expecting a big influx of people once they can come they will in general do you think that more people will be inspired to leave the city permanently since since COVID and since a lot of people who are employed rather than self-employed 
have now gained a lot more uh, flexibility and the ability to work remote because businesses, if they're not going remote completely, they're working on remote models, you know, hybrid models of work. Yeah, you're expecting people to move out to the countryside more permanently? Yes, I am. I mean, there's already, pre-COVID, there was already a trend of people moving to the countryside. Remote work possibilities are not new. Um, That's also been a growing trend before. Now, what had been a slowly growing, growing trend will for sure have a huge spike. I mean, right now it's like a forced remote experiment. And for sure, there's pluses and minuses about how it all happened because it was a forced thing and done without pre-planning. And a lot of people were in situations that that they just weren't prepared for, along with stress and along with also that, you know, people were working with their kids and like distractions. So this was not a positive experience for everyone, but but there has been a lot of positive aspects to it. I, I guess that a certain amount of companies will go back just to how they were before, uh, but a lot of them will have to change because I think there will be more demand from the employee side for flexibility, especially when their productivity levels were, a lot of the companies, they have not changed their expectations of productivity levels, or they they did, they did gave some lowering of, of those expectations in the first two months, but then now they expect the same amount of productivity, mm-hmm. especially the ones have done who have done a lot of work in um, reorganizing how they're working with in a remote way. Um, yeah. And I think those companies will benefit a lot from what they've done. So I, I know a few people who've had really positive experiences and they, they know that they'll be working remote till at least the summer. So the companies made the long-term decision to go ahead and just say, we will not be in the office until June 2021, and then we will see, which I think gives people a little bit of that stability that we were talking about. You yeah. know, it's when you're totally uncertain about what the situation is, that affects you. So they made this decision. And now those people are saying, hey, but I don't have to stay at home. I can actually like, so, you know, a friend of mine went to Greece. We hosted people here who were in um, organizations who were never remote before. Uh, I've mentioned it like, cause it's my favorite anecdote that there was somebody who came here from the banking sector and, um, her office was on full remote and she came and she's like, I didn't tell my boss I was coming, but I didn't think it would really matter. Like, he doesn't know where I am. And I was like, of course it's fine. You know, like, it's so funny because it felt like this, like sneaking out, like doing something bad, but actually like, it doesn't matter. It's all about if you're productive or not, not where you're sitting. Yeah. So the control of like your employee's space is not so important. Yeah. I guess the only thing that comes to mind there for me is um particularly maybe somebody working in in a bank is security like you know i guess there's considerations for like what level of security your work demands and privacy and things like that and i guess that's probably something you've had to consider when it comes to the shared network as in the internet network or or is that something people manage via their own employer policies or client policies? I mean, this kind of like technical security question, I, I'm i definitely not the right person for sure. That's like the companies, um, I know that the com- like there are certain sectors where that stuff's very important. So we've been working on a project about increasing remote work possibilities like with employers in this region um, together with a partner organization. I'm not in the lead on it at all. 
But this sector, or like the one of the biggest employers in this area is is the medical sector. And the medical sector has to deal with data protection on a super high level. Mm. Just like banking. I mean, banking, of course, because it's people's money and health, it's like super privacy issues. So for certain types of work, you you have to be on like secure servers and there has to be certain protocols. And those definitely aren't available in a co-working space unless they've really worked with the company on how to develop different routes for the information to come to like different modems. And, you know, like for sure, not everyone can work in a co-working space. But like there are certain types of work that can happen. So it, it, if you're not working with people's... Um, you know, with with secure files, with with sensitive information, then you can be here. So you can work on maybe communications projects, maybe bookkeeping, maybe like, I don't know, like different type of work you can do. So that's also what we're working with the companies on, like which which work doesn't have to be in the office because actually people need, people are more productive when they can be flexible. So like, have you considered that if if it's just about a meeting or strategy thing that they don't have to be in the office to do that? They could do it in a different way. I think that's the main thing is just thinking about flexibility. Yeah. And to, to get back to the people moving to the region, it's kind of a global phenomenon, or at least in like, um, say, my experience. So in the U.S. and Germany, the housing market is insane right now. Like people are moving. I think there's two factors to it. I think one is for sure it's the remote work thing. If they move, they're not going to automatically have to change their jobs. Mm-hmm. That's an interesting thing. Uh, and I think the other thing is that the pandemic has really made people like get really into themselves. Like what do they want? I've seen people make giant life changes in the last year where you thought it's not even possible like because everyone's like sitting at home, but actually people are like making big changes we moved from our, like we're moving within the region from a plate, from a little village to the town. And um, uh, we were looking for new people for our old flat. And there was so many people that were interested in right now in this region. Now there's less than 1% empty rental space. Like it's really, a lot of people are coming to the countryside. And I think it's because of the two reasons. Like yeah, people they have the opportunity to they still can have a secure livelihood. And they want to make these changes they've been thinking about for years, they're just doing it now, because it's like, I think a lot of people are confronted with that thing, like, actually, why wait, you know, I, I can't control everything. So I can control what I do. Mm. I should just do this thing I want to do. For sure. It's interesting. It's causing a lot of people to go inwards and reflect on what do I value? What do I want? And like, especially those who are only able now just for the first time to be working remotely, they're kind of like, oh, I could actually move back to my hometown or wherever it is that I would want to be working that I originally couldn't. Yeah, yeah, it's quite interesting. I think we'll be seeing the results of that for, for a while still. The trend was already there. And then now it's just like this, this like... It's just become more mainstream. Yeah, this experiment, it's like a crazy experiment. I mean, it's like the biggest social experiment in human history for yeah. sure. And like, yeah, let's see what the results are. I mean, I think there'll be a lot of positive results. And what about the local community? How has it been integrating Coconut and the community that you've got there with the local community? Is it very involved or is it kept separate? 
So we, as the founding team of Coconut, we wanted to make sure that Coconut was not this UFO that landed in the middle of the countryside, that no one knew what was going on. Um, so we've done a lot of work to make sure that we've been in touch with our neighbors. That was super important for us. Before we opened, we hosted this design thinking like workshop with about 60 people, with 30 people from Berlin and 30 people from the region and many of those people from our village. And we asked them what they could visualize here. Like, what did they imagine happening here? And we really listened to, especially to our neighbors. So they are not using our co-working. That's not what they needed. They needed a place to have their the fire truck. So the, the volunteer fire brigade is here. For, and we have a, a lifetime use of the space for them. Yeah. And we host the local village fest once a year. And we just have the place available for if, if people want. And yeah. we are very open and we, we speak with them and we listen to them. The only conflict that we've had, is, or no, we had two. One was like the first year, like budget was a thing and time and everything. And we were not like um, cutting the grass as as much as they would have wanted us to. For us, it was great. I mean, like people from the city, we don't care about having short grass. Like it's not our thing. And we don't, we don't still don't cut everything. We, we keep a lot of it for bees and butterflies, but we have like at least one like kind of manicured garden. And that mm-hmm. has really like, had a nice influence on our standing, I think. And the other the other conflict we had was just that one of our guests was flying the drone and the drone went over the property of our neighbor. Uh, and he called and he was really like, uh, like there shouldn't yeah. be a drone going over our place, which is fair enough. Like, yeah. I mean. I think there are some pretty strict rules about public, like especially public photography and things like that. In general, yes. In the eastern part of Germany, people are really sensitive to certain topics. And yes, I also don't want a drone flying over me when I'm like just like reading a book or whatever I'm doing Absolutely. in the back. I don't know, yeah. you know. <laughs> so we just make sure that if some and people ask if they can fly their drone, and I say yes, you can, but you have to make sure it's like on our property, not like going all over the place. Yeah, and everyone respects it, so we haven't had that issue either. And then um, just to to say a little bit further, we also work. In the, on a regional level. So we are really, we try to be close with our neighbors, um, that they feel very welcome here, but we work really closely also with the, with the region on their rural development goals. And we started this nonprofit, Smart Village, to, to sort of facilitate that part of the work that we do. That management of the project is actually outside of Coconut now, and we're more of a partner, but we act as a practical space for testing a lot of these ideas. So it's a really perfect way that it's been built, that we're able to use our tools and expertise, our networks in certain ways. And then we brought in experts on different types of rural development in to be the the project managers of that. It feels good to know that we do listen to people and that it is appreciated from different sides as well. Yeah, I love it. That's great. So all a lot of exciting stuff going on for you and for, you know, remote opportunities for remote and regional work yeah let's get the internet connectivity in the countryside everywhere and then it yes. can really, really really grow it's really key i mean we have it here there's expansion happening there'll be a new fiberglass in this region as well i think everybody knows it's so important i think like any breaks that have been put on the funding for for 
development of of internet infrastructure in, in rural areas really it's they're lifting now everybody really sees the importance of it so i hope it gets fast-tracked yeah to all of the regions yeah i hope so too it'll open up a lot of opportunity for a lot of different people and organizations and communities <laughs> exactly well that's about all we have time for and i think a really nice place to end so thank you so much for sharing your story and your insights and your experience with us thank you um, and i really look forward to following your journey yeah it's exciting thank you very much looking forward to having you out here the state of work is brought to you by lano a global employment and remote work platform that's designed for businesses and remote workers alike wherever you are in the world Lano offers smart tools for onboarding, managing, and paying staff and contractors. For the self-employed, Lano also offers a free all-in-one app for managing clients, tasks, and invoices. Whether you're in a city, by the seaside, or in a remote country town, head to lano.io and find out how a remote work platform will suit your business or freelance needs. My next guest is Mauricio Di Silvestro, a freelance WordPress developer originally from Venezuela who has spent time working remotely from all around the world. After six years living in Berlin, Mauricio has recently become a local in the same rural area that's home to Coconut in pursuit of a relaxed lifestyle and inspiring surroundings of nature. Mauricio shared his impressions of what it's been like to make that change and to join the co-working community at Coconut. Hi Maurizio and thanks for joining me on the State of Work. Hi Mati, thanks for having me. Now can you first tell me where you're joining us from today? Can you set the scene for our listeners a bit so we can get a sense of your surroundings? So I'm in Bad Belzig, which is a town in Brandenburg about uh, one hour and a half from Berlin. And right now I'm in my living room and I have a really nice view and the sky it's now starting to open a little bit and i can see the sun entering my uh, living room lovely <laughs> so after was it six years living in berlin yes exactly. yes so after six years living in berlin uh, what drove this decision to move out to the countryside yeah so i would say that together with a friend we were thinking of uh, perhaps getting a small land uh, in the countryside and having both type of uh, lives uh, in the city and then also something in the countryside and somehow th this project uh, was uh, taking some time and then I also was feeling this curiosity to really experience what would be to actually just take this step and, uh, and try it out. So yeah, after six years in Berlin, I, I decided to move here recently and I'm basically starting my journey here in this countryside uh, lifestyle. So far, I have to say that I have no regrets and uh, I'm feeling quite uh, happy to have taken this decision. Great. And why this part of Brandenburg and not somewhere else? Was it coconut that attracted you or were you already familiar with the area? Why this part of the world and not somewhere else? So Bad Belzig was the first town I ever visited in Germany uh, nine years ago. Uh, when I came to a community called Zeg, which was recommended to me by a friend 
And I came to Bad Belzig and I came to this community and I had such a beautiful memory that somehow it stayed in my, in my heart. And uh, so I made a long detour. So I went to New Zealand and Australia for about two years and then six years in Berlin. And then somehow this town is calling me back. And definitely coconut is one of the reasons. So this combination of having this, com this community and people who are connected to the community and also having um, coconut and also having the therme, which uh, we have here in Bad Belzig, quite a, a beautiful and big uh, therme and sauna facilities where then this this was one of the, these were the three main reasons why I decided to come here. Oh, it sounds idyllic. Um, and so actually I might just take a step back a bit. Would you just tell us a little bit about your work and what you do as a freelancer? Mm -hmm. So I'm a, a WordPress developer and I have uh, doing this for about 10 years. Uh, most of my clients are in Berlin. Then others are in Switzerland and France mainly. So yeah, at this moment I am doing websites for clients and I also would like to start some uh, blogging and uh, with the intention of also generating some passive income with affiliate marketing. Mm -hmm. In terms of having left the city and moved really into the countryside, is there anything you miss about city life so far? To be honest, really little. I am quite enjoying the fact that I have this openness so I can just go out of the house and then in two minutes I'm in, I'm in a forest and I'm in nature and that's somehow it's filling me with so much life. And in any case, Berlin is still very close, so it just takes one hour and a half and whenever I need to go to the city, uh, I can patiently wait in the train and go to Berlin. So definitely for me, Berlin is now a place to visit, but not a place to live anymore. Um, you might miss uh, perhaps the, the practicalities of, of buying some, some things or, or having things open all the time, but I, the, it's not on my priority list at, the, at this moment. And what about managing clients from afar? How have your clients reacted to your decision? Basically, nothing has changed uh, in the sense of also before when I was living in Berlin, I was not really seeing my clients in person. Uh, and also, especially because of, of Corona, the first wave of Corona, just my clients got used to having Zoom calls with me or yeah, just normal calls and then me working uh, remotely. So I was already working remotely from, from Berlin, to be honest. Um, so have has not changed at all. And now they are actually more curious. And, and yeah, yeah. So it, it, I would say that it's a, it's an, it's a positive reaction. Um, perhaps I, I would imagine that some, some other freelancers will have this fear of, oh, I will lose my clients if I move somewhere else. And uh, I think th things are already changing and um, yeah, depending on the work that you do, um, taking this step uh, could be quite easy. And how have you found the process of finding new clients since you've moved away? Has it made a difference to how you acquire new clients? That's a good question. And I have to say that I'm in a privileged position of uh, having done this for 10 years. So there is a, a good amount of word of mouth of people that recommend me and clients also that come back and I have also regular clients. So at this moment, I'm actually not needing to add too many new clients. And uh, at the same time, I have also arrived here two months ago. And uh, so let's see how things uh, develop. Uh, at the same time, I believe that this new project uh, or this new project that I will uh, develop uh, could also bring some more marketing and could also bring potentially uh, more interest because I will also mix it with my lifestyle, which is something that many people are interested in. 
So I think it could even be beneficial to to create something different, try out something that perhaps it's out of the you know out of the box. Yeah, it definitely gives you a point of difference to be working outside of the city. What about networking? Have you found that you've already integrated into a community? How, how do you find the difference between networking in a more rural setting than in a city? Yeah, so I, I have already a couple of friends that live here. and Perhaps also this was also another reason why I decided to, to come here to still have some social link and some bonds with uh, people living in the, in the area. Uh, at Coconut, it's also super quick, super easy to make new friends and to have beautiful conversations during lunch and dinner. I have to say that at the same time, um, but Belgiers themselves, uh, they might not be the most open uh, people <laughs> uh, in the <laughs> sense of, especially with Auslander, you know, I, am, I still feel that, okay, I'm you know, seen as, a, as an Auslander and there is not so much this uh, spirit of, oh, wow, okay, this is interesting. It's more like, okay, what is this Auslander doing here? And I think this is also related by the fact that there is also uh, some uh, refugees coming to the area. So I wonder how the locals, like especially the most conservative, more traditional-minded locals see this new uh, phenomena. Of, uh, of refugees and perhaps yeah they they don't seem to be the most open people however i think it's anyway easy to find your people even if it's just a few you know? yeah yeah i mean it's an interesting point um and just for anyone who's not german-based auslander means foreigner so with people moving to rem more remote communities either for work or for other reasons you know, it does bring some business to the local community for sure. But those of us who do have the freedom of choice to make a move to, to work remotely from somewhere because of lifestyle factors, I guess it is important for us to kind of consider the impact of our presence on the local communities. And it's probably a balance based on wherever you go and, and the attitudes of local people and whether there's a push for integration between the newcomers and the locals. I mean, on that, do, do you overall feel welcome there? Yeah, I do overall feel feel welcome. Uh, it's just that if you come from a multicultural city like Berlin, it, you, you will see the difference. Uh, I think this is also something normal to expect. So what advice would you give to anyone considering a move from a city to a, a more regional area? Yeah, I would say that uh, they should consider that something is going to be lost in the sense that you should give away something, which is perhaps the practicality of seeing your friends fast or organizing something quickly. However, what you gain, or at least in my case, is that now friends who come to visit me, for example, we, we spend more time together and we can know, somehow even get to know each other even more, which is something that perhaps in the city can be with all the hecticness of the city, it's a little bit more difficult. So right now I'm talking about the emotional reasons why someone will stay uh, in the city rather than going to a more remote area. In the sense of work, if you're doing your work with a laptop, which uh, which is, for example, in my case, uh, there's absolutely nothing that changes. No, this is, uh, of course, obvious. Mm. And uh, yeah, so perhaps there are perhaps some fears or so, some doubts. And I think the best way to, to do it is just to try it and then if, if it doesn't work, uh, life, uh, life is long, you know, and you can go back <laughs> to the steps that you, that you take. <laughs> That's a great 
positive attitude that you've got. (laughs) (laughs) And would you ever consider taking a job that required you to go to an office? No, absolutely not. Not at this point? (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) So a real remote work advocate. And what are your thoughts on whether whether this is a trend that we'll see happen? I know there was a report in The Guardian recently about I think something like 60% of Londoners felt that remote work um, has made them reconsider their living situation and think about seeking a lifestyle change, you know, moving to somewhere where there's cleaner air and maybe to the seaside or countryside. You're obviously someone who's made that kind of a move. Do you think that's something that we'll see more of, especially now um, considering the pandemic and the fact that a lot more people are moving into remote work? Yeah, well, interesting. I have mixed feelings about this because from one side, I would say strategically for my own interest, I would say hopefully not, that there is <laughs> not like a wave of people with perhaps with IT jobs coming to the countryside because my idea would be at some point also getting a, a small land here in the area. So if I see many people gentrifying, but belting in the same way that was uh, Berlin gentrified, then this will be harder. But I do expect that at some, uh, in some level, I would say that, um, yeah, many people will, will start reconsidering where, why they are in the place they are. Um, Especially because when I see it right now, if we see, if you see it historically, you would see that many people from the countryside went to the city uh, on, during the industrial revolution in a way to to survive and to get uh, money, no, in the yep. city. So as an, an economic fast factor was uh, the main motivator for many people to leave the countryside and then go to go to the city. So uh, and this was only I don't know, 100 years. So if we if we say what what's going to happen in 20 years, well, it could be that if for those who are not feeling anymore the city as their one and only mean to survival, then uh, I think this shift would happen. I think gradually, and for some people, it will still also be beautiful to live in the city. Yeah, and I'm I'm sure there are some other considerations for some people like that need specific access to, you know, to certain services that that may not be as readily available. I guess we can only wait and see. Exactly. And I I, I can't stop uh, recommending coconut. (laughs) If you allow me, I would love to, yeah, uh, recommend coconut also for people who want to just take uh, a week out of uh, Berlin and then uh, join the co-working space, then you will find me there. I feel very focused when I work there. And also the food that they serve is absolutely excellent. It's this yummy vegetarian food, all you can eat, which is delicious. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds great. It's been a pleasure having you on the State of Work, Mauricio. Thanks so much for joining us. If any of our listeners wanted to get in touch with you or have a look at some of your work, where could they find you? Yeah, so my website is wpfreelance.berlin. We'll make sure to add that to the show notes as well. Thank you very much. And thanks for joining us on The State of Work. The State of Work is brought to you by Lano and is available wherever you listen to podcasts. Find us on Instagram or Twitter by searching The State of Work and use the hashtag The State of Work to join the conversation. Check out our show notes at podcast.lano.io for information on how to get in touch with either of today's guests. Thanks for listening and see you next time on The State of Work.